Chapter Five of The Crimson Cryptogram by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Five. Mrs. Moxton seeks counsel. Needless to say, Ellis, in his then state of mind, declined to believe that the widow had intrigued with a lover, or had, according to the theory of Cass, armed his hand with the knife. In her evidence she declared that she knew no one in Dukesfield, and went nowhere, and this statement was substantiated by Mrs. Basket. The landlady, with feminine curiosity about matters which did not concern her, was as good as a detective, and from the first coming of the mysterious Moxtons to Myrtle Villa she had watched their movements. Knowing this, Ellis made a few inquiries when Mrs. Basket was clearing the breakfast table. Harry, having already departed to Fleet Street, the doctor was alone, and conducted the examination as he pleased and at his leisure. Mrs. Basket, only too willing to talk, chattered like a parrot, and indeed her green dress with yellow trimmings resembled the plumage of that bird in no small degree. She was a gaudy, irresponsible gabbler. "'Bless your heart, sir, she didn't know no one,' declared Mrs. Basket a prisoner in a jail that is what she was at myrtle Viller. not but what she oughtn't to be in a real one i don't say as that moxton mrs basket shivered wasn't a brute in his treatment of her but she did for him as sure as i'm a living woman she did for him the jury did not think so mrs basket mrs basket snorted a jury of them swindling tradesmen said she contemptuously what do they know of it mrs moxton killed him with the carving knife and threw it away arterwards how do you know she threw it away cause it ain't in the house yes you may look and look doctor but it ain't in the house i've been there and know you have been in myrtle villa said ellis astonished do you know mrs moxton then for the sake of law and order and queen's justice i made it my business to know her sir the other morning i went over to offer to buy some of her furniture hearing as she was leaving dukesfield ellis jumped up she is not leaving dukesfield he denied oh that was my idea of getting into the house explained mrs basket complacently she said she wasn't and told me so in the kitchen where it was i wished to be then she looked so poorly that i offered to make her a cup of tea and she said i might asking me questions about the people here in the meantime what sort of questions oh what was thought of her and if they called her names returned mrs basket incoherently but i made her the tea and she had it for a few minutes she went into the front parlour and i looked in all the dresser drawers for the knife but it wasn't there no doctor repeated mrs basket with emphasis i do assure you it wasn't in the whole of that there kitchen though i searched most particular someone might have stolen the knife there weren't nobody in the house to steal it not a soul ever went near the villa but tradesmen and they never got no further than the back door sir i do believe as she murdered him with the knife and it it away arterwards p'raps in them brickfields concluded mrs basket vaguely well we can't be sure of that you are certain that mrs moxton had no visitors quite sir 
and she saw no one nor a blessed soul save her husband as she did for and if you'll excuse me doctor i've my work to look arter whereupon the gossip waddled away with the breakfast tray it may appear strange that a cultured man like ellis should listen to the coarse babblings of an uneducated woman but he had a reason for doing so for the sake of protecting mrs moxton it was needful that he should know the gossip of the neighbourhood and none could so well enlighten him on this point as mrs basket several times her openly expressed conviction of mrs moxton's guilt made ellis wince and but for the above reason he would have ordered her out of the room however his self-control gained him two pieces of information firstly that mrs moxton had received no masculine visitor since her arrival in dukesfield and secondly that the carving-knife with which the murder from the nature of the wound might have been committed had disappeared ellis was now satisfied the widow had no lover but he was disturbed over the concealment or loss he did not know which to call it of the carving-knife if no one but mrs moxton was or had been in the house she must know the whereabouts of the knife for enlightenment on this point and in order to satisfy his doubts ellis made up his mind to call on the widow and acting on the impulse of the moment did so strangely enough mrs moxton not only welcomed him eagerly but informed him that his arrival was opportune if you had not come i should have sent for you said she and conducted him into a cheerful little sitting-room all white paint chinese matting and furniture covered with bright-hued chintz what is the matter mrs moxton there is nothing wrong i hope oh no but i want your advice you are my only friend i am proud of the position mrs moxton and i hope you will permit me as a friend to ask you a few plain questions the little woman's resolute face grew pale about the death she murmured yes you know that there is a slur on your name in connection with that as your friend i wish to remove that slur by assisting you to hunt down the murderer it was an odd but true thing that mrs moxton had the same habit as ellis of walking up and down the room when annoyed at the conclusion of the doctor's last speech she rose suddenly and took a turn to compose her mind it is very good of you to think of helping me she said abruptly but why should you because i wish to be your friend and i know that you are in danger i am in no danger if you allude to this preposterous accusation that i killed my husband if needs be i can protect myself should the occasion arise by denouncing someone else mrs moxton turned on ellis with a frown what do you mean rumour says that if you did not murder moxton yourself you know who did and that you are shielding him him oh i am shielding a man said the widow catching at the final word set your mind at rest doctor i am shielding no man mrs moxton why not be candid and tell me all i told all i knew at the inquest she replied sullenly can you swear that you do not know who killed your husband i was on my oath at the inquest i tell you cried the woman passionately i will not swear again to you very good said ellis coldly i see that you doubt me i doubt you i trust you more than you think dr ellis in spite of what i said to you before i am surrounded on all sides by difficulties and dangers one false step and heaven knows what may happen i can't tell you all i dare not but you are my friend and must help me 
how can i when you won't confess the truth if i only dare mrs moxton took another turn up the room and came back to ellis with a more determined expression on her face listen doctor i will tell you what i can afterwards you can ask me what questions you will and i shall reply to the best of my ability thus we shall understand one another ellis looked at her trim little figure in the black dress at the widow's cap on her fair hair at the candid face beneath it as has been before stated mrs moxton was comely rather than pretty but she had a firmly moulded chin a resolute expression on her lips and in her grey eyes and was on the whole a woman of courage and resource how one so sensible could have tied herself to a brute like moxton and could have submitted to neglect and cruelty for long months was more than ellis could understand perhaps it was one of those unanswerable problems of the feminine nature which women themselves cannot explain ellis was puzzled and in the hope of gaining some insight into this apparently contradictory nature waited eagerly for the promised explanation on the day after the murder in the morning that is said mrs moxton i had a visitor his card with the name richard busham was brought to me by a charwoman i engaged but owing to the events of the previous night i refused to see him he went away saying that he would call again but up to the present he has not done so who is richard busham do you know him not personally i never saw him and he has never met me but he is the cousin of my late husband the nephew of moxton of bond street now i believe that he came to see me about the will and i am vexed at not having admitted him why not call on him you have his address i heard it from edgar mr busham is a solicitor and has his office in esher lane near the temple the late mr moxton of bond street was a mean shabby man who employed the cheapest labour he could get and i believe his nephew did all his legal business for him now edgar and mr busham hated one another and when my husband was disinherited mr busham was declared heir by old moxton if that will held good he would not waste time coming to see me but from the very fact of his visit i believe that edgar's father repented at the last moment and made a new will leaving the property to us you can make certain of that by seeing busham mrs moxton looked troubled i am afraid she said faintly i am terribly afraid i do not see why you should be mr busham called on the morning after the murder he must have learnt then of my loss yet he has never repeated his visit has never written a line i can't conceive his reason for acting in this way unless here she hesitated he believes that i murdered edgar he would not be so foolish as to believe that without evidence and even if he did the inquest must have disabused him of the idea for all that i am afraid to call i have heard edgar talk of mr busham he is a dangerous man dr ellis and for all i know may be laying a trap for me tell me the truth and i will prevent your falling into this trap mrs moxton hesitated and then burst out defiantly what is it you wish to know firstly if you know the meaning of the blood signs on your husband's arm no i do not then i am wiser than you for i do you mrs moxton bit her lip what do you know that the signs stand for the letters r u z what the lizard as i think it is means i don't know 
mrs moxton what is the meaning of the three letters r u z i don't know really i don't had your husband any friend with a name beginning r u z or with initials r u z not that i ever heard of what about the lizard i cannot understand its meaning and you don't comprehend either the letters or the cipher no 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 this triple denial was so emphatic that ellis was forced to believe her yet it appeared strange that she should be so ignorant of matters which virtually concerned the death of her husband he looked keenly at her for some sign of confusion but the brow of mrs moxton was as open as the day if she lied she was a wonderful actress but ellis did not believe that she lied being too much in love to consider her so deliberately base well said he making an attempt in another direction to fathom the mystery my landlady mrs basket called to see you the other day to spy out the land oh i saw through her pretended kindness at once she wished to find some proof of my guilt but as i had nothing to conceal i gave her the opportunity of convincing herself that i was innocent the very proof you gave convinced her of your guilt said ellis warmly mrs basket is a dangerous woman mrs moxton one of those well-meaning people who do so much harm she has no special grudge against you but she has got it in her mind that you killed your husband with the carving knife but i did not it is nonsense talking like that then where is the carving knife mrs basket searched but could not find it and now she believes that you have hidden it what rubbish said mrs moxton with contempt edgar threw it away threw it away why because he knew that i kept it by me to protect myself against tramps or burglars so out of sheer devilry the week before he died he threw it into the garden behind some bushes is it there now no i searched everywhere for it after the murder and could not find it why do you ask because a broad-bladed knife was used to kill your husband and it might have been the carving knife the murderer must have picked it up and made use of it and the woman appeared uneasy and interrupted ellis how would the murderer know the knife was in the garden only two people knew where it was thrown one was edgar the other myself i would not advise you to say that in public mrs moxton as people might count it as good circumstantial evidence that you killed moxton oh cried the widow clenching her fists do you believe me guilty no i do not is there any need to ask me that question why why you have plenty of evidence against me i have placed myself in your hands by confessing about the carving knife why do you not denounce me as guilty how can you ask cried ellis carried out of his usual equable self by her vehemence don't you know can't you see i love you i love you that is why i believe you guiltless end of chapter five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california